0: Today's Locked On Reds podcast is brought to you by everyone.com Check out the brand new website that just launched August 1st called everyone.com It's a site dedicated to Ohio sports and pop culture, so you know that you're getting exactly your favorite content on all things Cincinnati from the Reds and the Bengals. They've even got Cleveland sports teams, if you're into that sort of thing, and Ohio State content as well. Check him out. The latest Reds article that they got up is looking at the Reds and how they're different compared to where they were in 2012. Plus, they've also got a nice article looking at Rice Iglesias and what has happened to him since his awesome 2018. Check him out. OhioVSEveryone.com. Your source for Ohio sports and pop culture is Ohio vs. Everyone. As the 2020 season rages on, the Locked On Reds podcast will be here each and every day to detail each win, each loss, and every transaction as the Reds look to move toward a playoff berth. My name is Jeff Carr. Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. What's up and what's happening, Reds fans? Welcome in to the Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today on today's show. I want to talk about Tyler Malley, not just because he's on the mound today against the Cubs in Chicago, but I think the Reds have something with him, and that's kind of really not going out on a limb very much, but I'm going to tell you why he deserves to remain in the rotation regardless of the health of other pitchers on the team. We're going to get into all of that and some Jeff's junk mail later on in the episode. Make sure you are subscribed on the many podcasting platforms that we're on, like iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, the Himalaya podcasting app, all of that good stuff. Also, follow me on Twitter at JeffGar with three Fs and follow the show at Locked on, Reds on Twitter, Facebook, Facebook and Instagram as well, and save that Lockdown Reds line number into your phone at 513-549-0159. We'll get into that Jeff's Junk Mail segment later on. I want to start out, though, with the man who's on the mound tonight for the Reds, going up against the Chicago Cubs and Alec Mills, who I'll detail in just a minute, is our man Tyler Malley. Tyler's had a pretty nice little uh, split against the Cubs in his short career thus far. He's tossed 40 and a third career innings against Chicago, and he's got a 3.57 ERA to boot. The Cubs have a 212 batting average against him, and they get on base 28% of the time. Those are some pretty nice numbers, and I like what I'm hearing when I look at those stats and things, and and I think that Tyler Malley is the kind of guy that the Reds can get behind. Let, let, me, let me explain a little bit more about that. Because like, he's made a case for being left in the rotation, moving forward regardless of other starters' health. I'm even talking about Wade Miley. I know that the Reds are paying money for Wade Miley. I think Tyler Malley needs to be considered over him. I think Tyler Malley is the Reds' fourth. Well, okay, it's between him and Disco for the fourth starter. He's definitely the Reds' fifth starter moving forward. Because when when you look at him, he has really developed. And I know that he's got this split-finger change that he's still working on. But his two main pitches, man, they are good. He throws his four-seamer and his slider, according to Baseball Savant, 85.1% of the time. And he's done pretty good with those as well, as opponents against those two pitches exclusively are hitting a buck 79. So 85% of the time the pitches that he throws, people aren't hitting them. Plus, when you dig even deeper into his four-seamer, opposing hitters are only hitting a buck 43 against it, and a big part of that is the is the way that his four-seamer moves. He's got a lot of movement to it. It has a horizontal again, according to Baseball Savant and Statcast, It's got a horizontal movement of 11.6 inches, which is 54% over the league average, which is pretty awesome. And you also compare that to the fact that he did the exact same thing with his four seamer last year as well. This is a consistency thing. This is not a blip, a short season. He's only pitched a couple of times and he's got a real good four seamer in those couple of times. No, he's done that for two years now absolutely huge for him because his four-seamer is nasty. He's got, I, I, I mean, he's absolutely a killer fastball. So then that feeds into the bigger picture that is Tyler Malley in 2020. He has a very low, but 97 expected batting average against everybody, which is in the 89th percentile. I think he's like 40th best in the league, which is pretty awesome considering how many people have pitched in the league this year and comparatively even when you look at that 197 expected batting average the league average expected batting average saying the word average a lot there I know but the league average is 250 so he's almost 60 points lower 53 points I know but almost 60 points lower than the league average that's phenomenal and when he does allow contact here's the thing Whenever he does allow contact, he's kind of getting hard hit a little bit as the average exit velocity that he allows is 89.3, which is one mile an hour above league average of 88.3. And because of that, his fielding independent pitching, his FIP, is a little bit higher than his ERA, which kind of says he's getting a little bit lucky, but it's not that bad. His FIP is 4.8 and his ERA is 3.9. So it's it's not that crazy. But the nice thing is you're still looking at that 28.5% strikeout rate compared to the 9.8% walk rate, which is a little bit above league average on the walk rate, but the strikeout rate is phenomenal. Absolutely the best of his career. He looks like a dude that the Reds can count on. And I'm not just saying for this year. I'm talking about basically slot him in the rotation and you're confident that he's going to anchor that back half of the rotation. I mean, given his talent and then you kind of put together the cost effectiveness, which I know nobody wants to hear that. You know, who's a good player, but when you really think about it, if they're spending less money on a key starting pitcher, that's more money, hopefully that they can spend somewhere else. And that is exactly what they've got with Tyler Malley because he's only going to be, Come arbitration eligible next year. So it's not as if the Reds are paying out the nose for him and they're not going to be for a couple of years at least. So the Reds should just slide him into the rotation. This is what I'm saying put him in the rotation and forget about it. Set it, forget it. This guy is a rotation piece for the Reds moving forward, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do against the Cubs tonight. He'll be opposed by Alec Mills from the Cubs. Mills with a a 5.5 ERA coming into this thing with a little over 37 innings pitched on the year. You'll remember, he pitched in that second game of the doubleheader on August 29th in which the Reds walked off, won in walk-off fashion because of a wild pitch from Craig Kimbrell. That was a crazy game. He gave up four earned runs, did Alec Mills to the Reds. So we'll see what the lineup can do against him Tonight. And also, real quick, too, coming up on Thursday, we're going to have Wick Terrell back on the show. Haven't talked to Wick for a while. Going to get his take on everything. How, maybe he's a little bit more optimistic than me right now on the Reds' slim playoff channel. We're going to talk about that. Hopefully, talk about some good stuff from Tyler Malley and how the Reds look moving forward. All of that on Thursday and more. But here comes some Jeff's junk mail. In just a second, but before we get to that, wanted to ask you Are you looking to do some work on your car? If so, I've got the perfect resource for you it's rockauto.com. They've got all the parts that your car will ever need, and they've got reliably low prices with them as well. Plus, with their easy to use interface, you don't have to be a mechanic by any stretch of the imagination to find the right part for your car. On the left side, they've got all the car companies and Once you click on that, you can find your model, you can find your year, and even your specs, and then they have a drop-down list of parts right there for you. If you're a little bit more mechanically savvy, you can find your favorite brands as well. When you go to rockauto.com, though, I ask you one thing in the checkout area, type in the how did you hear about us?" section locked on MLB to let them know that your pal Jeff sent you to the best place to get all the parts that your car will ever need at rockauto.com. All right, let's jump into some Jeff's junk mail we're going to start with a text message this is from jared in cincinnati and the reason i'm starting with this is kind of piggybacks off of my main topic for the show and tyler malley as he asked have malley or tj antone worked their way into the Red's starting rotation for next year i definitely gave you my take on malley i think yes i think he's made his way into the rotation for multiple years to come antone i'm not there yet but i do love what i've seen i'm his statistics and especially his stat cast page on Baseball Savant looks absolutely phenomenal. Plus, he's got a lot of high-velocity fastballs recorded. I mean, I think he's touched 98-99. Dude can really sling it. I love what I've seen so far, but I think that he's better suited, at least at the beginning of next year, to still come out of the bullpen. Kind of work as a piggyback starter. I think if it's like a scenario where Mally is or where Miley is in the rotation, or Mally for that matter, and one of them gets into trouble early on, Antone's the perfect guy to pull in there. Because Mally does have some good velocity on that fastball that I told you about that moves a lot, but still Antone can really work in the sinker, which moves completely differently from the way that Mally's fastball moves. So it, it's a good change of pace. And then, especially when you compare Wade Miley and TJ Antone, I mean, I mean, there's no comparison as far as velocity. Miley is much slower than him. And then there's this tiny split. And it is a small sample size, so you don't get too bent out of shape over this. But when you look at TJ Antone as a starter in 13 and a third innings, he has a 3.38 ERA. With fifteen strikeouts. That's pretty good. But then in relief, in twelve innings, so an inning and a third or you know, four outs less than his starting appearances, he has a one point five ERA with eighteen strikeouts. So I don't know what it is. Maybe he just comes off the bench in the bullpen, ready to go in the middle of the game. He's fired up, ready to clean up whatever mess he's coming into. But I think next year you start him in the bullpen kind of like I said, with a piggyback starter situation. But I don't feel bad if they have to move him into the rotation, if maybe Miley is just bad, bad, bad again. I, I like his talent, and I like the fact that he's gotten plenty of uh, time to pitch this season because he is going to be an important piece moving forward because he can be that kind of versatile guy where you can bring him out of the bullpen. Or you can spot start him if you need to in a doubleheader situation. Something like that. I I love TJ Anton and I love what I've seen from him so far. But I think of those two that you asked, Jared, I think that Tyler Malley is definitely the rotation candidate with Anton kind of as a, a sleeper, but starting from the bullpen next year. Next, we've got a voicemail and this is from our pal Jordan. And he's just saying what we're all thinking. So Jordan, have at it, man.
1: Hey Jeff, Jordan here. So I have a really interesting question. Um, so I was thinking earlier, and it makes me wonder because you know how the Reds, you know, they signed Castellanos, they signed Mustakis. You know, it, it, it really, it's really weird because you see Castellanos, guys like Castellanos, he's a he's a huge, you know, huge big name last year. Phenomenal player in Chicago. You see Stock as a, an all-star in Milwaukee. You see guys like uh, Peter Stoke, one of the best relief pitchers of the last half-decade of Chicago. You see uh, Wade Miley, a great pitcher last year. You see Shogo Akiyama uh, in Japan, one of the best players in Japan. And, and it really makes me angry because they call a bunch up. Decide to come to Cincinnati, and they suck. And, it's, and, I, and I hate saying this, but they—they've they, been all of them. Every single one of them have underperformed dramatically. Uh, maybe besides Castellanos, Castellanos has done okay. He did really good beginning of the year, but my point being, it—you have to start wondering if, if there's some type of negative effect. And the clubhouse, if it's David Bell or or what, I I don't know. It just seems like every time we acquire a player, they come over here and they get worse. Am I just crazy? Am I crazy or what? I honestly think it's a mental problem in this clubhouse. There's something going on. There's something wrong, and we really need to figure it out. I just wanted to see what she thought about that. Go Rez.
0: Jordan it, it, it's funny cuz I can't like sit here and completely refute everything that you've said because honestly there's been lots of people you know either tweet about it at me or text with me stuff like that when they're looking at it and they're like does this team have passion anymore do these guys have passion and I'm never going to sit here and question that because I can't look into somebody's mind and know that I I I can only see what they do on the field but there are little comments here or there, you know, like Sunny Gray talking about everybody needs to get fired up and you got Trevor Bauer talking about day in and day out, guys just aren't given the amount of effort needed to win. Things like that. Little little hints. Because you're not gonna have somebody come out and just say, Yeah, our locker room sucks. You're never gonna hear a player say that. I mean, if they do, there there might be like one in, you know, a thousand that might come out and say that. And they'll probably get traded or released the day after they say that. It's just everybody knows that you don't, you, you don't be that candid with the media and with the fans and all that different stuff. But on the same token, you can kind of see little hints here and there about it. So I do wonder about what the locker room chemistry is. And that kind of falls on David Bell. How, how does the team feel motivationally and how do they feel like are they fired up are they ready to go and yeah they're professionals part of that is kind of on them to get going with that i don't think you really need a rah rah guy to come in and get them going but how do they feel cohesively as a team i almost kind of feel like and this is this is a goofy analogy but i just keep thinking this when i think of your voicemail you ever notice when you go to walmart it feels like everybody is just kind of dumber. And it's, it's, it's nothing to do with the people in Walmart. I know that there's a great website talking about the crazy people at Walmart and all that other stuff. But I feel like when you go to Walmart or really any grocery store for that matter, as soon as you pull into the parking lot, number one, nobody knows how to drive. They all go either like 50 miles an hour, they're crossing parking lot, you know, all this different stuff. Trying to hit people. And then nobody knows how to walk in a parking lot either. They don't know what to do with their carts. And then you walk into the grocery store. And everybody's just going a million miles an hour. They don't care if they run into anybody. It's just, it's all nuts. It's like everybody loses their mind. It's like that the Joker thing. Everybody loses their mind. I I wonder if maybe that's something with the players. I don't know. And and that could be like a management thing. You know, maybe they come into the Reds clubhouse and it's like going to Walmart for baseball. It's hard to tell because I'm with you. These guys, we've been talking about it all season long that we keep waiting for them to play to the back of their baseball cards. And it's just not happened. And the questions abound without answers. And I think when you have this many questions, you, just, you, you don't see a scenario where they trade everybody on the team, they'll fire the manager first before they do that and get in somebody else before they blow it all up. And I don't think, uh, trust me, I, I am not in the camp that I want the Reds to blow it up. I think they've got the kind of team that can contend for the next couple of years, as long as they put it all together. They need somebody to help them put it all together, which leads me to my last question for this Jeff's junk mail segment. And this one comes from Twitter. This is Ken at Kenny K U H H H. Not really sure how to say that, but Ken says, if the Reds decide to move on from David Bell, who would you like to see as the next manager? And I'm going to give you an answer that almost seems too easy. It almost seems like the trendy pick, the popular pick, what everybody's talking about. But honestly, for me, it begins with Barry Larkin. And I know part of you probably wants to see a guy coming in after David Bell that actually has managerial experience. David Bell kind of had that. I mean, he had minor league managerial experience and he's worked in front offices and things like that but he had never been an actual major league manager. So you kind of think, well, maybe we should get somebody with experience in here. But here's the thing. The first and foremost guy that they're going to hire is somebody whose views are in line with the front office. That's the biggest reason why they hired David Bell. There's plenty of people out there that want to say, oh, nepotism and all this other stuff. I don't believe that is the case at all. I think it's just he was able to execute the plan that the front office had. So they're going to look for somebody that can do that. I believe Barry Larkin falls right in line with that philosophy, but they also need somebody who can handle personalities. I don't necessarily know. That's not necessarily something that fans are privy to whether David Bell is good at that or not. I mean, you can hear plenty of people talking about publicly and you know, you've got different guys writing about, well, I don't think that that's even a question when you see, players standing up for him in the field of play and you know kind of like that situation with the Cubs a week ago it's not really something that's easy to answer from a fan standpoint but when I look at the example for why I think Barry Larkin would be a pretty awesome dude to hire in here I look right at David Ross former player Seems to really have gotten the personalities on the Cubs to gel. Make no mistake about it; they got big personalities, and I know that we all like to hate on the first baseman who shall not be named for the Chicago Cubs. That dude is pretty good at baseball. Chris Bryant is pretty good at baseball. Javier Baez, pretty good at baseball. The these guys are all professional ball players that have plenty of ego to go around. And they've got to have some kind of guy reel that in. And I think David Ross is that guy. Plus, he also keeps them motivated and keeps them interested. I think that that's almost what you've got to look for in your next manager. Because I think, yeah, you can execute the front office's game plan, but you almost have to have somebody who's a little bit more leaning toward the relationship aspect of the things. And And I think that Barry Larkin is perfect for that. That's just me. Now, I will read this. This is from Mark Sheldon on Reds.com. He had a mailbag, and his first question was, what is the perception of David Bell in the clubhouse and front office? If the Reds don't make the postseason this year, what's the likely status of his job? And this is the thing that interests me, the, the status of his job part. He says, while every team has been challenged by these unique times, I think it wouldn't be fair to make a managerial change based on 60 games. The regular lineup hasn't been on the field together much. Like the rest of us, players are dealing with things that have nothing to do with their job, and much of this year has been anything but normal. In a normal year, way back in 2019, the Nationals stayed the course at 19-31 and and resisted calls to dismiss Dave Martinez. Washington went on to win it all. now it's interesting to note that Washington is kind of back in the cellar this year. Part of that is to do again with COVID they've, they've had injury concerns with Steven Strasburg as well, but they are, I think 11 games under 500. They, they are not good at all, but it's like, uh, it's Mark Sheldon says, Bell has one more year on his contract after 2020 and I believe he should be back. That's from Mark Sheldon. I've had a couple of conversations to this point. 2020 being a 60-game season, being kind of weird, is almost like an extended spring training. And I know that's kind of a cop-out coming from the point of view of now a fan base that's not sure that their team is going to make the playoffs and not sure that their team is going to do anything in 2020. But if we really think about it, the flukiness of this season, to get caught up in it and to make a managerial change, it is tough. And, and is David Bell the guy? I'm not sure. I don't know that I've seen anything that gives me confidence to think that David Bell is going to be the guy hoisting the World Series trophy with this team, you know, God willing, in a couple of years when that happens. But at the same time, we are all overreacting because we are fans. That's what fans do. We are passionate about the reds. We are passionate about a team that we thought was ready to compete, contend and go to the playoffs and maybe even make a deep run in the playoffs. And none of that looks like it's happening now. And the first guy that we all blame is David Bell. I don't know. And based on Mark Sheldon's report, I definitely don't think this is the case. I don't think the front office shares this point of view. Now, You can take what you will with that, but I wonder now, based on what he's saying and when you really consider it, that if you look at 2020 objectively, I think most teams are almost going to throw it out. Like After it's done, I think most teams are going to look back on 2020 and be like, that was weird. All right, uh, back to normal. 2021, 162 game season, we're back to baseball. And who knows, maybe they have the DH, maybe they don't. Maybe they have the weird extra innings and rules. Maybe they don't. What all is going to happen there, I'm not sure. But there's a really good chance that after the end of the season, the front office looks at this and says, you know what? He's got one more year in his contract. David Bell is our guy for 2021. That's not an inspiring answer, but that could be the most likely answer. Now, from my point of view, I think they need to move on, and I'd love to see Barry Larkin become the manager. But I'm not sure that's going to happen. All right, we'll talk a lot more about that, obviously. We have plenty of time to do that for you know the rest of the offseason, and who knows, maybe the Reds do go on a crazy run. I'm not expecting it by any stretch of the imagination, but I'm looking forward to enjoying tonight's game. Tyler Malley on the mound, opposing Alec Mills at Wrigley Field. First pitch going out at 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. I'll be tuned in. Hope you will too. All right, that'll be it for today's podcast. I will recap this game tomorrow, and we'll be talking about some other good red stuff as well. Make sure you also are subscribed. That way you don't miss any upcoming episodes like my talk with Wick Terrell on Thursday. But now, tell your smart device to play Locked On Fantasy Baseball, and I will talk to all of you tomorrow. Let's go, Rex. Hey!